Aloha Maui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhardt. Brian Thomas. This is the Solar Coaster. This is episode 151. We've got a call in from William Giese of Hawaii Solar Energy Association. If you recall our earlier episode, we had William on to talk about Well, we had him on a couple of times. We had him at the HSCA Expo that was back in the fall, Jay. That was a lot of fun. Really uh, good to see a trade show happening here in Hawaii. We also had him on to talk about his role and about his organization probably earlier on in 2019. We're going to get an opportunity to hear from him today and a bunch of other great folks about, um, about well, today he's going to be talking about best practices in the solar industry industry to comply with the shelter-in-place order from Governor Ige. What do you what say, you, Jay? Um, it's going to be a really, really interesting kind of conversation. How do, how do, how do you go to people's houses and install solar um, without actually talking to anyone or getting close to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> talk to, we, talk, we talk about that two-man carry thing. It used to just be, be you have to roll more trucks and send more people, but now you really can't do that stuff. So. It's tough. It's tough. It may, it may be easier to start installing some of that sun flare from last week where you just roll it and stick it on. You know? <laughs> I mean, stick it on. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to be working here at the Solar Coaster to uh, focus on community resilience over the course of the next few weeks while we go through this unprecedented uh, time here. Uh, and we're going to learn about a whole bunch of new cool things that are happening in the community. Uh, what do they say? Look for the helpers, right? And there are some great helpers out there. People at the county are doing great work. We're going to get a PSA in from Linda uh, uh, during news and events. We're also going to hear from Willie, like we talked about. And then Jen Oberg is creating uh, surgical masks for medical professionals here in a volunteer project. We're going to hear from her towards the end of the show, and she's got a couple of uh, asks and, and ideas to uh, talk about, too. So lots to cover today. You guys ready to get going? Let's do it. All righty, folks. We are the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live. Uh, there's the YouTube links and social media. And, of course, all our back catalog of everything that we've talked about, 150 shows about everything to do with renewable energies and solar, uh, everything from fusion to, to hydro to, to wind and et cetera, et cetera. So if you have an interest in a particular renewable energy technology, chances are we talked about it. Go check out the show about that. Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart all carry the solar coaster. Look us up. Take us everywhere you are, especially when you're at home and need something to listen to. There you go. There you go. Got some great sponsors out there keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. Fairwinds Wealth Management with Brian Thomas here. Brian has been giving me a high-level, uh, 30,000 foot view tutorial on the markets over the course of the last six months. And actually opened up an account recently and, and started to utilize some of your tactics. And, you know, it's been quite an experience. So thank you for that, Brian. Good job, Josh. Uh, I think that if anybody wants to learn uh, about some of these uh, really great, what, 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 how do you sum it up? Well, risk management is key right now. It's a, we're in a bear market. There's no doubt about that. Even though the market bounced good the other days, all the news places, oh, we're in a bull market again. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, absolutely not the case. I mean, we may rally still here, but uh, risk management is key in a bear market. There you go. 808-873-3247. I'll give somebody the process to be safe. One more time with that number. 808-873-3247. There you go. That's fair wins. We also have Enduro Shield and Perfectly Clear Glass. That's with Gary Dolberg here in Maui. Uh, and, you know, this is a really interesting organization. We're talking about coatings for glass that prevent etching, that protect it, that make it more durable, but can be utilized in solar panels and can reduce the amount of soil and debris and things that get in the way of those photons that create energy. 
So uh, this is kind of a, an exciting new uh, technology that's getting a lot of interest. And it's so cool to see a sponsor come on, a local group, right, that also Enduro Shield itself is from Australia, actually. And then we'll start to network within the industry and find applications like ISP Solar with Sunit, for example. Really amazing, unique news. And then, of course, it's all glass. <laughs> and then Gary's like, well, we should use the, um, the perfectly clear glass and DuraShield solutions. So love to see the technology taking off and getting traction in the industry as a result of being a part of the solar coaster. We also have Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and Solar Edge coming on shortly. Uh, looking forward to working with all those fine folks in the upcoming year. Uh, this is a call-in show, 808-242-7800 is a call-in line. Let's jump over to news and events. All right, right away, uh, we love Green Tech Media. All they, they, they cover everything to do with it. Green it's tech. really, really difficult to kind of, of avoid the coronavirus. But their um, new first article right up to the, up that is uh, Europe was at the start of a huge solar boom. Um, but does the coronavirus threaten that? Um, construction delays, supply chain delays. We've been talking about for the past two, three weeks now that people are having a hard time getting materials, getting equipment in to install it. So even if you even if you could go out and, and wanted to install these things, you couldn't because you didn't have the panels, you didn't have the materials, you didn't even have conduit or cable because you just can't get the stuff shipped around. Um, generally speaking, I mean, this is this is a good thirty thousand foot view about how we're still looking at a thirty year time horizon. And Did you say 30 yes, year? Be, 30 well, year? Between now, 2020, 2020, and 2050. Mm. Mm. We have 30 years in order to really make our, our, our goals, our climate goals. And so, yes, if we have this, this number of months worth of, worth of hiccup, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not going to hurt us too much. Uh, and in fact, because these are um, low-risk solar investments with a long time horizon um they may actually be right. really good investments what do you think about time, that brian exactly that's low, I, was, I said that low risk yeah uh, low risk yeah well we have that you know that we call it the green wall of money looking for projects in the renewable energy space and as renewable energy be it resi commercial or utility has become more and more accepted and understood as as the ETFs that we've learned about through you, like TAN and P PBW, have you know been resilient and growing throughout this period, I mean, are are we going to see even more money looking for safe haven in renewable energy projects? So, uh, specific to your question, I don't think we'll see more money, but there still is that ESG, environmental social governance mandate, that the asset allocators and some big ones that we talked about, seven trillion dollars, uh, of one in particular. That money's been mandated and allocated, right? And so that money's still going to come up, but I don't know if new money is going to show up, right? And it probably still will, uh, but not to the degree and rate that it was showing up earlier. Hmm. And w another dynamic in play is that we've, uh, with both Saudi Arabia and Russia going into a, a war actually over oil, and then oil demand being just obliterated. So we've we've, you know, We've reduced dramatically the uh, demand for oil in this country and around the world. And so um, that's going to drive, and it has driven oil prices down, and will probably still fall a little bit. But that prevents a bit of a competitive uh, element to renewables, right, even though it's not going to fit in with an ESG mandate. Per that's se. interesting. Jay, what do you think? I mean, is it something where the price of oil and fossil fuels has gone down so low that it actually could produce a compelling alternative in some circumstances? I mean, I haven't seen any news to that effect yet. No, I don't, I don't. I really don't think so. I mean, solar has dropped so much. We we said that we were we were um, below the point long ago where um, structuring a con constructing a new solar power plant is is cheaper than 
constructing a new oil power plant. But it was that second threshold that we passed where it was actually cheaper to construct a new solar plant than even continuing to run your fossil fuel plants. Now, that's not to say that people aren't going to use them. This whole stranded asset conversation, they want to make their money back and have it very clean on the books that, that this oil-fired power plant that we built, or this coal-fired power plant that we built, made us X amount of dollars when they go back to talk to their investors. But at the end of the day, I don't, I mean, that would take a, a radical shift in mm. uh, fossil fuel prices to, to put it back in a level fl- level playing field. Yeah, and, and, and I never never said, I, I never meant to imply that people were going to not deploy renewables in exchange for fossil fuel new plants being built. Mm. You know, but if a, if a natural gas plant, you know, can operate way cheaper, let's just say they may run a little bit longer. Anyways, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, that's that is the that is the argument. I mean, if if that that liquefied natural gas is a transitional fuel, then cheaper natural gas will certainly make the the case for for using that for for its full lifetime, which is uh, avoids that whole stranded asset conversation. You know, when we look at Europe, and you know, of course, we were out in our solar uh, Europe in Munich not only a year ago, Jay, and you, the the fervor and the energy, and that it felt like there was just this massive wave of renewables ready to take off. Fifty thousand people in one spot, and like, you know, ten thousand or something exhibitors. I mean, it was crazy, and you know, so you have you had that kind of energy going. There has to be a you know major slowdown in front of us at this moment. But I mean, will it last? I guess as anyone's guessed, because we don't know what's going to happen with this thing, right? So, all right. Well, no, nobody can predict the future, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, interesting news. Uh, there's some good news out there. Um, U.S. solar manufacturing continues despite coronavirus restrictions. Um, American workers are still going to work at solar factories. Um, the majority of them have been have been because energy is considered a, a vital, uh, essential production uh, industry. So they're they're still going to work. Most of these places are large-scale, heavily robotic factories. So it's not like there's a lot of people working in close proximity to each other. Um, and because of that, they're able to, they're able to keep going at, at, at relative, pretty much full tilt. I don't know if they're going to be able to ship this stuff once they've actually manufactured it. Mm. Yeah, the whole <laughs> but, supply but, uh, chain to think about, right? Right, right. But as long as they have their materials on board, they're, they're continuing to work, and they are being asked to come in and clock in every day. So there's, there's at least a few people getting paychecks, which is good. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, guys like Tesla, maybe, right? Are they referring to uh, manufacturing well, that's, that's facilities an, like Tesla? That's another. That's another one. Tesla. Tesla is. Um, remember that solar roof um, factory in uh, New York, Buffalo, New York. Um, they've decided that they are not going to be Absolutely. making the solar roof right now. They're going to transition and help make uh, Medtronic ventilators. Um, Medtronic is a another company. Um, separate CEO talks to Elon Musk and um, they decided they worked on an agreement where the gigafactory would take an existing design um, and then manufacture them en masse. So Check we'll be making out. lots and lots of ventilators in short order because they don't have to design anything. They don't even need FDA approval because it's an existing design that has been approved. And so they're just going to be cranking, <clears throat> just stamping these things out in, in pretty short order. Okay, well, we're going to come back to that. I'm actually, I'm particularly excited about that idea, but we're going to come back to that. We have a call in from the county to do a PSA talking about some of the things that we're experiencing here in Maui. Aloha, Linda. Can you hear us okay? 
I can. Can you hear me? Sure can. Linda, thank you so much for calling in. Can you give me a pronunciation of your last name, please? I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing to say. It does get messed up often. Linda Popolo. <laughs> Popolo. Okay, well, welcome. And what is your role at the county, Linda? Um, I am actually the Maui County Workforce Development Board Executive Director. Well, let me just start out by saying thank you for taking the time to uh, to speak with us here at the Solar Coaster, and thank you for all the hard work that everyone is doing there. I know that it's it's quite a, a tough time. Um, so give us a sense of some of the things that are uh, high priority for you right now. Okay, well, as you know, <clears throat> most of the hotels are shutting down, um, and Maui is a tourist-based industry. So we're looking at um, about 20,000 jobs, 20,000 people filing for unemployment, so it keeps coming in waves. First it was the restaurants and the bartenders and the waitresses. Now it's coming to hotel workers. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at probably a 13%, going from a 2% unemployment rate to a 13% unemployment rate really soon. Wow. So we have some things to help people. We're trying to put tools together to make things easy. A lot of people, um, you know, have so, almost everybody has a cell phone. If you have a computer, that's great. If you have a cell phone, that's even better. What we do, what we've done is um, we, we had to, because we're a county office, we can't be accessed to the public. All county offices have been closed. But we can still work. We're still working. We're behind the scenes working. So if you go on our website from either your cell phone or a computer, it's called MauiAmericanJobCenter.com. And if you go on that website, you will find that you can register for unemployment. You can, uh, re you can register for the HireNet system, which is a job search system. You can explore um, SBA loans for, for businesses. You can, um, <clears throat> you can go in and there are services, training programs. If you don't think you're ever going to go back to your job again, we have training programs for people. You can also... Um, we're going to, right now I have one release service on there for um, Native Hawaiians, but we're going to be laying out Mal United Way's package of all, all their release programs. And then when the independent contractors, right now the, the government is voting, the Senate voted to make independent contractors be able to have a type of unemployment benefit. The House hasn't voted on it yet, but when they vote on it, um, it looks like um, Representative House Speaker Pelosi says she thinks it'll go through. So then right now, an independent contractor like an Uber or a Lyft driver, they don't get unemployment benefits. Mm. So they have no funding at all. And they had to shut down. A lot of people had to shut down that have no funding. So the, biz the bigger businesses and can get loans, and the loan papers are right on our website. The so I'm looking at... independent contractors... There's funding and relief coming for them, and until then, we have some relief programs coming that we'll be putting on the website next week. So it's a great website. I'm looking at it right now, MauiAmericanJobCenter.com. Uh, there's information. It's all very easy to understand. There's an emergency call center, unemployment insurance updates, Hawaii COVID-19 Daily Digest. 
Uh, there is uh, it's very, very kind of easy to scroll down. There's information on the SBA Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, which I think small businesses are probably going to be very interested in pursuing. Uh, it, so it's basically a center of information for people, uh, and it looks like it's uh, pretty, uh, pretty useful. I know people were having challenge getting through unemployment filing recently. Is that something that you see uh, working out? Like, is it, is it getting addressed, or is it? Maui, Maui is specifically hard because we have very low, low upload speeds on Maui. So, mm-hmm. what, yes, we have a. Um, if you can't get through, or if you went through and you filed your claim and it just kind of sat there and you don't know what happened to it, you can't go back in. And, and start a new claim again, it won't let you. So you need to get out, log out, and then go back in, and there's a form on the unemployment website that people can fill out when they don't, when they have questions and they need a call back instead of sitting on the phone waiting for somebody. So if you go into the unemployment insurance button on our page, <clears throat> you will see, and you can do this also from your cell phone, you can see that it says, for new claims, please complete this form. So if you think you didn't get through or you didn't get any mm-hmm. information and you can't sit on the phone anymore, fill out that form, and when you're done and submit it, it it's a, just a one-pager, so it'll go directly to the unemployment office, I and see. someone will call you. I see. So then you can rest assured that it is, at bare minimum, been submitted and exactly. you know that that part has been done. Okay, that's exactly. a great, great, great and, piece of information there. And we're asking the public, please give us time to get all these tools together. Remember, we were at a 2% unemployment rate, and our staffing reflects a 2% unemployment rate. So literally, I had one person, one and a half people in my department, and now I have three and a half because I've had to hire two people immediately to help me. And then the unemployment office was down to like six people, and they had to hire whoever they could find. They called previous hires back. They called, made up call centers. You know, in Oahu, they have a huge call center answering calls. And their system has had several problems. They had to upgrade it last weekend because it went down completely. It crashed, and they had to make a new routers and, and a new, yep. a new trunk and everything. Mm. So we've had a lot of issues because we were never meant to take this many calls. <laughs> And what a rate of change, too, right? I mean, the 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 the, the, the overall delta is huge, but just the time period is so small that it's this so happened. Small, in. and it happens so fast. Now, April thirtieth, everything's pretty locked down until April thirtieth, and the American Job Center is closed until April thirtieth. But after that, if if we come back up, if we're lucky to get back up again, we're going to have training programs. We're going to have um, individual counseling sessions, assessments, career advice all different kinds. We have counselors waiting that are building their programs right now to help the public. Yeah, very cool, Linda. You know, I appreciate you mentioned the, um, specifically the gig workers and how they're covered too. Um, a question about that, like, you know, you mentioned Uber, but if, if someone, say, is an artist or something like that and, and, um, and not sort of affiliated with a, with a big company like an Uber, are they still going to be qualified to receive yes. something? Because the employer doesn't pay into independent contractors. Ubers are actually independent contractors. Sure. 1099 employees is what right. they are. And they, they are, um, even artists and musicians are going to qualify for this fund. This is a special fund. It's not unemployment because unemployment you pay into, right? The employers yes. pay into. This is a special stimulus fund that is going to come from the federal government down to the, down to the state and be disseminated to people that fit in this gap, gap group. Nice. Okay. And I said 1099 wow. employees, their definition by not, by definition, they're not employees. They're 1099 
salary exactly. contractors, not contractors. contractors. subcontractors. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that is modeled, uh, and then how you know. For example, do you look at your past tax returns as a, as an indicator of income in the 1099 category? Right. Right. Yeah, it's be definitely going to be based on tax returns. Yeah. That's definitely going to be a factor. Mm -hmm. And so get your tax returns in, get them done, because you need to. And you if you know, don't, but but if. It's definitely a work in progress. Mm. I can't tell you what the parameters are right now and how much money it is right now because it hasn't even passed the House of Representatives yet. Sure, right, right. It'll and take a, a little bit to get it in place, but when it gets in place, it will definitely help people. Until then, what we can do, we're trying to create a state fund that does the same thing until we get the federal money. So you we're know, working on it, and we're just not there yet. When I think about this in kind of from the 30,000-foot view, Linda, I tend to think, well, you've got a couple of kind of core pillars of this conversation. One is, how, you know, people, people utilize credit uh, to pay bills and, to, and, they, and they have debts. And then so finding ways to manage that outgoing flow of money and finding ways to, uh, you know, uh, replace or, you know, support the lack of, in, of inflow of money with these new programs, uh, I look at it like something like that. So it's like, do, are you seeing anything about um, some types of initiatives to help people with their mortgages, with their loans, with things yeah, like I, that? I, um, I definitely am glad you asked that question. One of the things that is, the, before you even get to the loans and stuff, you know, before you talk about, about the fact, you know, we'll bring some experts in to help people with their loans. You know, that's going to happen. But right, but, but the very first thing is is financial literacy in general. So we, one of our, we're creating a series of classes at the American Job Center. One is how to be a good employee, being a good employee 101. One is financial literacy. One is how to write a good resume. You know, we're, we're going to make, uh, upskill our workforce. And one is something that all the employers ask us for that we ask. And it's to how, how do you take an employee that's been working for you for 20 years and move them into management? Hmm. And that class is going to, so we're developing all those now. We're in the middle of developing them. Um, I'm hoping to have those classes in place by the time we open. And those classes, everything the American Job Center does is free to the public. Got it. Got it. And and Linda, I would also, I mean, that financial literacy, I think, is a key component. You know, you mm -hmm. want to you want to cut your expenses quick in this time, right? Just go through all your expenses and start cutting them to the bone. Exactly. And also, you know, I see, you see people kind of panicking and taking money out of. I, I manage and own an investment management firm, but you see people, not my clients. They're great, thanks, thankfully. But uh, I've seen people just make rash decisions and pull money out of retirement accounts. You know, and um, uh, and and there's all sorts of ways to talk about how to proceed smartly down that road. So I think that's another thing to talk about. But the financial literacy is huge, you know. There you go. I want to tell you that this is truly a community project. This is federal funding that goes to the governor, then it goes to the mayor. Mayor Victorino is in, instrumental in helping me put these things together. And um, <clears throat> we also have 14 community partners, including MEO and Maui United Way and Maui Chamber of Commerce and and um, Goodwill, and we have, like, a whole group of partners. You can see them all on our website. And um, those people all got together and sat with me to create these, this planning. Before, actually, we actually started this planning before it really hit. We didn't know this was coming when we started it. And it, we, we, we would never have known how important this is until now, right? So these people have been working with me for months to develop more resiliency, and now it turns out we need more resiliency. And, and 
Maui is different. It's different than all the other counties. The people here come together, and we should be so grateful for that. 100%. Maui does step up. I remember I was uh, in front of the county council in 08 talking about Maui's resiliency and how as a community, our love of Maui can bring us all together, you know, Absolutely. and our love of our, of our place. And we know how special it is in the world, and it's, um, it's a powerful force. You know, you mentioned all those, all those entities that are working with you. And these folks may or may not be, I don't know, but there's two that I know off, offhand, MEDB and SCORE. I was a SCORE volunteer for... SCORE is um, definitely working with us because Maui County, SCORE is inside the Maui County Business Center. Perfect. Which is, in the, is adjacent to the, Maui, um, the American Job Center. And MEDB, the CEO of MED, Leslie Wilkins, is the board chair of my Maui County Workforce Development Board. So we're, we're um, tied together them very closely. Nice. They, they are an awesome organization, and they constantly do such good work for the community. We, yep. we wouldn't be as far as we are in this project if we hadn't had the community partners that we have. And that's including, awesome. Including unemployment. I talk to the people at unemployment daily and the people at the Workforce Development Division daily about how we're going to improve, what are we going to do, how do we fine-tune it so we can get it easier for the public. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Linda, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. And uh, for everybody out there, MauiAmericanJobCenter.com is the website we've been talking about. Uh, please uh, let us know if you'd like to come back on the air in the subsequent weeks and update us on some uh, important you know, key elements. And uh, good luck out there. And thank you so much for just uh, all the hard work to everyone. Great job, Aloha, Linda. Aloha, Josh. Hey, hang in there, everybody. Aloha, Linda. Okay. Here we go. All right, so we're going to go to uh, our commercial break. We're going to come back with uh, William Giese of Hawaii Solar Energy Association learn all about best practices and compliance with the governor's proclamation of shelter in place. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. Enduro Shield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right. Well, those were our wonderful sponsors. Uh, thank you so much for keeping the Solar Coaster on the tracks for darn near three years. We're a couple episodes away, I think maybe four or five episodes away mm -hmm. from our three-year mark, Jay. Um, yep. So we are here with uh, William Giese. And William, can you hear us okay? 
Yeah, I can hear you okay. Can you guys hear me? Aloha, William. I hope I got your name right. I know uh, last time I messed it up, <laughs> we talked at the expo. <laughs> That's okay. No one ever gets it right. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, thanks for taking I know you just kind of jumped on the coaster with us this morning and, and last minute notice, and I know you're a super busy guy right now, so I want to just at least express to you that we appreciate you taking the time out to provide some guidance. And, and uh, we're going to be talking about you know best practices and about uh, how, we, uh, how our industry is going to be affected by the shelter-in-place order and the overall shutdown. Can, you know, it's interesting because right after I spoke with you, I got a call from a company and they said, you know, we're really trying to understand what we can do and what we can do. Uh, do you have any guidance? And I was like, well, listen to the show today because William's going to be on. <laughs> and so uh, really perfect timing. So thanks again. So William, I'm going to put this in your hands. Give us a sense of what's happening. Can you just give us an overview of, of course, HSCA for people that don't know you? Um, just give us a brief inter- inter- explanation about that and then tell us about some of the things you're engaged with. Sure. So um, we are the uh, Hawaii's oldest and largest 501c6 industry trade group for mostly uh, renewable energy companies. So we've been around since 1977. We do all kinds of uh, advocacy work um, at the uh, the PUC, at the legislature when it's in session. Um, we try to hold trainings. We have a solar expo that we do every year and a bunch of other events and things. And really our goal is to try and um, advocate for uh, renewable energy in the state, um, uh, represent those businesses that install and uh conduct renewable energy business um, and try and uh, educate all of our members about, you know, best practices in the industry. So that's kind of what we do. I've been the director for going on three years now, but I've been been involved in the solar industry in Hawaii for about five or six years. Um, But now we have kind of switched into almost like a information clearinghouse (laughs) for our members during this health crisis. And so my job has really switched to try and educate, one, educate our members on best practices for um, conducting business during the health crisis, um, giving them uh, the most up-to-date information that I possibly have, and coordinating uh, between them and state and county agencies uh, from the solar industry's perspective during this crisis, and also advocating for uh, basically them to you know, continue working and continue the economy moving and continue installing renewable energy across the state. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. What an important job uh, at the moment. I know people are probably looking to you for support. What's the uh, 30,000 foot view on the industry at the moment? I mean, how's it been impacted? What do you see? Yeah, so um, it's it's tough to figure out, kind of lay on some hard numbers and, and, and we're looking into it. I, I'm very thankful for uh, this. I have a great intern this year with, uh, her name is Allison. Um, from the UH, um, who, despite uh, losing her, her retail job, is still working uh, for the HSCA. And, and we're trying to go, you know, basically contacting members, and we're starting with the biggest companies first and kind of seeing what the impacts are. And we've been running a couple of short surveys to see what's going on. But from what I can tell, for definitely the larger companies, so these are like the 10 or 15 largest um, installer contractors in the state, hmm. have mostly cut... Um, 10 to 12 percent of their staff so far hmm. and are expecting to cut anywhere from 20 to 50 percent of their staff in the next couple of weeks. Um, a lot of the staff that's been cut early has been quote-unquote non-essential staff or uh, even sales staff that can't conduct in-person sales. Um, and I think a lot of the companies, a lot of the solar companies are trying to hold on to as many staff as much as they can, especially the staff that uh, do installations and operations and maintenance and things like that. And we also have, we're seeing impacts in 
uh, the distribution side of things, so not just installer and contractors, but distribution, financing, uh, manufacturing, and supply chain stuff, too. We're seeing impacts on that end of it. Um, so it's still pretty early to see what the impacts are, but there's definitely been uh, you know, a loss in workforce um, mm. we've experienced so far. And I think that it's probably going to, I mean, I, it, it pains me to say this, but I, I imagine it's probably going to get worse as the weeks go on and this uh, health crisis gets worse. Um, but we are going to try and do everything we can to keep uh, our men and women at work. There you go. There you go. Okay, well, let's um, thank you for that. That is helpful to understand, and that is about as specific as I've heard yet. So that's good. It kind of adds to our knowledge base here. But, you know, when we think about, like, my friend that gave me a call right after I got off the phone with you this morning, his name's Garrett, and he uh, was like, hey, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, can, he's an electrician, and solar is part of their business. And so the, you know, the question was, what kind of business can he conduct? And how does he conduct it safely? And where are the resources for him to be able to verify that he is conducting it safely? That's the kind of thing uh, that he was looking for. Can you, is it possible to summarize that? Yeah, so I, I would advise your friend to probably, I, you know, I don't know which uh, island or county he's working on, but most of the counties have been following um, guidance issued by the federal government on what is or is not an essential business when they've been putting out those stay-at-home orders. And now we have a state stay-at-home order that was released by the governor's office on March 23rd that went into effect on Wednesday evening um, on the 25th and goes till April 30th. And for HSEA businesses, we read through, um, you know, what qualifies as an essential business or not, and we basically looked at, you know, for those following along at home, if you're looking at this third proclamation that you can find on the governor's website, Section 1, Subsection A, the, the, what we look to as essential business within our own membership are Parts 9, dealing with hardware and supply stores, 10, dealing with critical trades, um, like electricians and plumbers, 15, dealing with supplies for essential businesses and operations. So this is like distributors that uh, distribute material and do wholesale sales through these types of essential businesses. 21, which is manufactured distribution and supply chain for critical products and industries. And 22, which is critical labor union functions. So things like um, partly health personnel, but also essential, any type of labor unions that um, help essential businesses function. And so this is the proclamation that got put out on the 23rd, and that's kind of what we're looking to for guidance for essential businesses. But I also know that this order is likely to be modified, and I think what will happen is that it will be modified in such a way that it will be a little bit more fidelity will be given to the order in the coming weeks um, so that you know distinct businesses are put out. For instance, solar, solar PV will be called out specifically as a business that is essential business. Right or some other type of business that's an essential business for those who are wondering, you know, am I or am I not an essential business? The other thing, um, and kind of a rumor that I want to tamp down at least for now. So as of today, you, my understanding is that you do not need like a letter or any type of thing that defines you as an essential business when you're driving around uh, places. At least that's the case. That's in very Honolulu. important. My understanding is that's the case on the Big Island too. Um, I've been having trouble getting a hold of folks on Maui and Kauai, but my understanding is that's the case as well. So I know that there was a rumor earlier this week of like, well, do we need to carry a letter that tells us whether or not we're an essential business? Today, the answer is no. Saying that with a caveat of I'm not sure what the answer will be next week if, if things change, but as 
as far as right now is if you are an essential business, you know, or you think you are, you likely are under this order, you can still go to work and you don't need like a letter that says that you are. I mean, that's a key thing. You know, even when I was driving out this morning, I thought to myself, you know, do I need a letter or do I need some kind of indications? I, I put my business cards in my pocket just in case I got stopped. So, I mean, those are reasonable concerns, but it sounds to me like what I just heard was that the general um, information that looks like the solar industry does fit into these uh, these certain sections you mentioned is out, and that greater specificity will come in the upcoming weeks when it's modified. Does that sound about right? Hey, sorry, sorry, you were you're breaking <coughs> up at the end there. I, I was having trouble hearing you. I'm just, sorry. Just basically that we have those um, those sections that indicate that the solar industry energy industry is uh, fits into those sections of the proclamation, but that will get greater specificity in the upcoming weeks when it is modified. That's what you said. Still right? didn't catch that, but I, I think what you're saying is uh, you were hoping that you know in future modifications that there will be there will not be more clarity in what those sections will be. Gotcha. Sorry about that, Will. I'm actually speaking through a mask. <laughs> so oh, okay. that, was, uh, that was why. Um, okay, okay, great. Uh, that Well, that's good to know. I mean, what are, so we when, we don't know when we'll actually see that modification, but we know that that's kind of coming in the next couple of weeks. Yes. So I, 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 unfortunately, I don't have a timeline. And, you know, I would encourage folks to reach out to the governor's office. You know, my primary contact, at least in the energy industry, has been um, Scott Glenn, who is the chief energy officer for the state of Hawaii, and he's doing a really good job uh, right now making sure that uh, he's coordinating with all the businesses and making sure that our lights are still on. Um, but he's been an invaluable resource to me and a kind of a liaison with the, the governor's administration and, and helping me to pass on information to our members. So I think, you know, I feel very confident that if, if something were to come down or some change were to happen, at least when, within our membership, um, you know, we will definitely inform them as soon as possible. But if you're not an HSCA member, but you, you, know, you know, interact with the solar industry, you know, you can always contact me. You can send an email at info at hsea.org, or you can call the solar hotline at 808-232-8371. And, and the solar installers aren't in that close proximity to each other uh, at a site. I mean, the, the, when we did Josh's house, we weren't, you know, we're kind of doing our own thing until we're at different ends a little bit, but we, we, we weren't, there wasn't that close proximity, you know. It's so. actually it's actually an interesting question, right? Can you maintain that um, distance, that in the process of a solar install. And there are, mo there, there are moments where I could see that being very feasible. Like if you're to look at residential, I mean, just to kind of draw some parameters. But then there are moments where it could be a little challenging too, right? Like yeah. certain moments in the install. So, um, but I guess that's, uh, that's all getting, kind of new Or getting to and from a site. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, right. Well, you're, you're in your car most of the time, so that should be pretty yeah. safe. Have, have you heard yeah, discussions yeah, like this, uh, William? Yeah, so uh, we have put out recommended guidance for what our solar industry folks, our field personnel specifically, should do when they're going to and from sites or when they're working every day. Um, we, we put that guidance out not, not as like a requirement because, you know, we don't really have a way to require things of our members, but we're suggesting that they look at these uh, procedures that we've put out or they form their own. So ours were kind of based on Connecticut, actually, it was very quick about getting some of these out to solar field personnel. And it's pretty simple stuff. And a, and a lot of this, you know, commercial and utility scale stuff, your interaction primarily is within crews. So as long as you're maintaining kind of that six-foot uh, barrier between the crews and washing your hands frequently and wearing personal protective equipment and stuff like that, 
you know, you're trying to minimize the, the spread of viral load among your own crew. But the other question is, you know, especially for residential, how do we avoid that when mm. we have to interact with customers? And so we kind of set up some guidelines and, and really the top four issues for us were, you know, observe appropriate social distance with coworkers and the general public, limit consumer interactions to as necessary, work outside the client or customer home unless permission is obtained to enter the home with personal protective equipment or PPE, and appropriately clean and sanitize all workspaces or surfaces to the extent possible when leaving the job site. So yeah. we've, we've kind of gone in, we have a three-page document that uh, I'm going to try and post on our, our website too, just so people can see it. And again, these are recommendations, but they're not like, you know, we're not going to keep you out of the HSCA, but we hope that, and my you know, from what I've heard from all of our members so far is that they have instituted pretty good procedures or, or actually fantastic procedures um, within their own companies too. And I tried to make this resource, especially for some of the smaller companies that might not have like the manpower or, yeah. the, or the resources to go and do this kind of stuff. There you go. And then uh, you, you had mentioned that you were seeing really great uh, response too. If anyone was sick, that the companies were acting really aggressively and responsibly right away to try to contain anything, right? Sorry, I didn't catch that last part. Oh, you had mentioned to me earlier that when uh, when a company finds that someone may have some symptoms, that they've been acting very um, quickly and aggressively in containing that and making sure that it wasn't transmitted to anybody. Yeah, so, you know, the reports that I've got, I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed um, that you know, it's even on some of these companies' radar to call me up and tell me, but, you know, the companies that have had even presumptive positives um, for the virus have shut down operations, and they are being very, very cautious in doing things. And, and I really appreciate that from my perspective. It's happened for a few companies so far, um, and they're being very cautious, and they're following all kind of relevant OSHA CDC guidelines and stuff like that. So as, far, as my experience has been, at least the members that have called me and told me that this has happened has been, you know, 110% effort on their part, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So I haven't heard any reports of That's great. companies not following those guidance. You know, the thing about the, the solar industry is that, it, you know, I think that if any industry is acquainted with volatility, it's it's the solar industry. So they tend to be creative people. They tend to uh, act pretty quickly when things, uh, when, when the factors that influence their business change. And so when you said that to me, I thought, oh, yeah, that's the guys, right? <laughs> that's how they do it. So I was really happy to hear that you know, when you said it. We think on our feet as an industry. Yeah, for sure. Now, this document that you were just talking about is actually really helpful, this three-page document. The title here is Recommended Requirements for all Hawaii Solar Energy Association outdoor outdoor field personnel. Uh, you said you'll be posting this on your website. What's your website? So our website is hsea.org. Um, I'm also going to post it on our Facebook, and you can just find us at Hawaii Solar Energy Association. We have a Facebook page as well. That's great. Uh, but all of our members, um, I have a pretty extensive email list, so they should have gotten this too. And I'm also sharing everything that I'm creating, I'm sharing with the counties um, and the state, uh, in the PUC and the utilities as well. So they should have a copy of stuff that I'm sending out to my members. There you go. Very good. And then you also have a resource book. So all the stuff is getting generated out there. And I suppose you're, uh, this, this much lauded intern that you mentioned a moment ago is helping you with all this documentation uh, very quickly. Is that right? You're going to give her a lot of support, huh? 
Oh, I don't know if you get. Sorry, you, your question was about the resource book. Yeah, the resource book. I was I was uh, saying that you got like a twenty-page resource book here that you just yeah. created, and I suppose the intern you mentioned that's staying on and giving you lots of support is very busy creating these documents with you. Yes, uh, she is very busy. We're both. We I think we spent all Monday. You know, so this resource book is really we we want it to be kind of a living document for all the things that we think are relevant for businesses and employees to know during this crisis. So. It's things from a lot the federal here. level, so this weekend we're going to spend our, a lot of time updating it relative to that new act that was passed, that $2.2 trillion relief act. Um, but we've got text, relevant text from all the proclamations at the city and county level, at the state level, a bunch of resources um, for federal and state uh, agencies and things, um, even resources for working at home, you know, because a lot of people are going to be working from home for the first time. And as somebody that's worked from home for three years now, it's yeah. very it's a it's a big change um, sure in my life. So <laughs> knowing how to do that and having some kind of simple pointers, pointers I thought was important. Got contacts in there, and I'm going to be trying resource. to update that every week and sending it out to our membership as well. So well, thank you for that. Yeah, we got that, and I I'm so thankful to our interns. Spent a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, two other quick things. I want to make sure I get these in before we wrap this. Uh, you sure. did mention that you were you sent out a letter to the um, the counties about permitting and about maintaining the permitting. Is there any guidance on that that we can share with the industry about how the permitting schedules are affected? Yeah, so right now, uh, as far as I understand it, all the counties are currently operating their permitting and inspection as they normally would with a couple of caveats. So, for instance, in the DPP, in Honolulu, they're limiting the amount of people that can go to 10 or less, and other inspectors and reviewers are working from home for the most part, and they're trying to do as much telework as they can. So what we've asked, we sent a letter on the, thir- on the 17th of March to all the counties, um, basically asking to remove a bunch of current barriers um, to the industry. And, and the point of this is you know, not to take advantage of the situation, but mostly to keep the industry going where these barriers normally would exist, you know, to kind of, I guess, meter the amount of uh, activity that's going on. But now there's much, much less activity. And hmm. so we need to remove some of these barriers, which also helps, you know, lower soft costs of systems and helps get people back to work. You know, if we're an essential business, but nobody is building anything, there's no point in us being an essential business you know, because we're not contributing at all to economic activity mm. if we can't actually work. And so the thrust of the, the letter that we had sent was to kind of help close some of these bottlenecks off, at least temporarily, yeah. um, so that we could, you know, get to work. Well, uh, that looks like a, you had some foresight there, too. This was back on the 17th of March that this was sent in. So it's good to know that we're keeping an eye on that because that's a key piece of the puzzle. So, uh, William, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Hopefully we'll uh, get some updates over the upcoming month months as this uh, pers- you know continues. Uh, and, uh, you know, just keep up the good work and uh, much aloha to you and your staff. And we really appreciate you, man. Same to you guys. And I appreciate you continuing to do the show. And, and I hope everybody stays uh, safe and and hopefully it doesn't get sick. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. 
All right, that was William Giese from uh, Hawaii Solar Energy Association doing a tremendous amount of work there. I'm excited to really dig a little bit deeper on those docs we just received this morning. Uh, he's going to be posting yep. that up on his website. We have, uh, we're going to move right over to a good friend of ours, uh, Mrs. Uh, Jen Oberg uh, from uh, Haiku here in the Maui community that's uh, engaged in some uh, pretty wonderful uh, uh, support uh, uh, projects for surgical masks. Jen, can you hear us okay? Yes. Hi, Josh. Hi. Hi, Jen. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for having us on the show. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So you know Jason, uh, Jason Vericard. He's a good friend from the community as hi, well. Hi, Jen. How you doing? <laughs> right? And, uh, hi, Jason. When I told Jason that you were doing this uh, this project with surgical masks, with uh, masks, he's like, oh, of course it's Jen. <laughs> right? Because you're <laughs> such a, uh, you know, a stalwart contributor to the community over the last years and decade, probably. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Uh, help, let us know uh, what's the status of this, uh, this project that you got going on. Sure. Uh, my team is producing a high-quality, medical-grade, non-woven filter mask. And we're currently in production at Seabury Hall in Makawao. Um, I was con connected with uh, Dr. Sonia Gupta, who then connected me with Russell and Dr. Van Dyken here on Maui. And they wanted to see if I could create a mask that would be more robust than all those fabric masks that everybody's making at home. Um, so I was given a medical-grade mask and materials to use to try to reproduce the functionality as much as possible. Okay. Uh, we created a prototype that uh, was reviewed by doctors at Kaiser Permanente Maulani Clinic. Um, and uh, even though we did not pass a fit test, we actually went through that where you, you, know, you test it to make sure that there's no gaps, that it's a tight seal, our mask didn't pass the fit test, but the doctors uh, still requested us to go ahead and make them. They thought they were solid enough that they wanted, wanted us to make them. So um, our materials, they're all purchased using donations from the community. Our masks are free to the medical community. And I can tell you more about the design, which you probably would like to hear about. Yeah, I would. And, uh, and what I'm understanding here is that you're are you preparing for to make sure that medical professionals don't have any limitations in the amount of masks that they would need to, to deal with COVID-19? It, it seems to me like I've seen this kind of uh, theme throughout you know the world in different environments that are a little bit further down the road where this types of supplies start to uh, start to become less available. So you're kind of getting ahead of this and trying to provide resources before we start having that problem. Is that what's going on? That's exactly what's going on. Um, you know, obviously everyone is seeing a need. Everyone is seeing that there is a shortage of masks, especially the N95s. And um, while we cannot claim that our mask is an N95, we're just trying to create something that's more robust, robust than a fabric mask. Um, you know, the Maulani uh, Clinic has already requested masks. We have a connection there who will be delivering masks to. Um, I've been getting... Oh, looks like we're, we're losing you a little bit. Uh, are you in haiku? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm up at, uh, we're up at Seabury Hall. Okay. Can you hear me any better now? We got you, we got you, yeah. All right, so, yeah, we've been getting calls from uh, doctors in private practice who want our masks, oh, wow. and uh, so we're, we're getting a list together. We're, we are also happy to provide them to the hospital if the hospital requests them. 
Okay, so this is so, for this is across the board. So what? Um, that's, that's that's what my question was: is is how far does this extend? You said medical personnel. Does that include like in home nursing care, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or dental? How far does it really extend? And how many are you uh, capable I, of manufacturing? Anybody, anybody in healthcare. Like for example, I've um, I've had requests from people who. Um, you know, are just working in exams, doing general exams. Uh, you know, anyone in healthcare. Also, like our first responders. Uh, let's say, okay, so let's say you've got the air ambulance going. Hmm. So the the pilot, you know, the pilot is the, if they're if they were flying somebody in the air ambulance with COVID nineteen, the pilot would appreciate having a mask. So it, it could be, you know, anybody in healthcare that could be someone who could be exposed to someone with COVID-19. Brian. Hey, uh, Jen, that's great stuff, actually. And in the small world department, uh, my neighbor Wendy contacted me this morning because she has an autoclave. And so I'm going to go try out that autoclave so that when you when you start to ma- make them, we can autoclave them and sterilize them, essentially. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you know yeah, about that. Yeah, that, that's the thing about them is right now, you know, the and the N95s are one-time use, and I know that there's uh, researchers all over working on seeing can we can we extend the life of these? What can we do? Can we autoclave? Can we put them in the oven? I mean, I I Stanford University came out with a, a report recently that I'm sure is online somewhere you can go find. So I know everyone is trying to figure out how to extend the life of these. Yeah, you absolutely can. You know, I mean, um, even sunlight and stuff like that, but it dis- disinfectant and such. So, Jen, uh, we got a couple minutes left. We want to hear about how uh, people can support the project that you're doing that's obviously really critical and important for our community here. Is there a place people can reach you? Uh, can they what, – what, what can we do to help? Uh, okay. If you um, we have a volunteer coordinator, Julie McMillan. Uh, Julie McMillan. And Julie McMillan. Has, Julie McMillan. Her email. She's only doing email because this is so much that she can't deal with phone calls. Okay. I I give you her email. Go for it. It's um, Mahina one at gmail.com. So that's H-A-L-E-M-A-H-I-N-A. Holly Mahina one at gmail.com and what I'll do is I'll right. put that email into a post uh, a social media post after the show with the podcasted show and you guys can all uh, reach out and find out how you can support this great project so thank you very much Jen we really appreciate it okay. thanks Jen Okay, there you go, folks. This has been the Solar Coaster. Uh, Brian Thomas, what do you got to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, we're presented with these binary options, either go back to work or just uh, home shelter. But wearing masks, which is what Asian communities have been done, should be part of the cultural event. <laughs> Gary just gave me the hands up. The show's over. <laughs> okay. Hey, folks, Solar Coaster is sponsored by Sundrum Solar, uh, Pandek Design, Enduro Shield, Perfect Clear Glass. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend. Safe and aloha Friday. <laughs>